0: You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by FitzDares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Monday, the 9th of October. After two excellent days racing in Keeneland, I'm still in Kentucky, gonna fly home. This evening, but not before I've headed down to Lane's End Farm to look at last year's Horse of the Year flight line, which I'm very much looking forward to. What a weekend it has been around the world, in no particular order, up to the mark. Proved himself probably one of the best American turf horses since Teppin, wise Dan, maybe, in the Coolmore Keenland mile on Saturday when beating Godolphins Master of the Seas. It was a productive weekend. For the Godolphin operation abroad, at any rate, because Nation's Pride won the Canadian international in fine style in the hands of William Buick. What happened elsewhere around the globe? Well, in Australia, Gold Trip, last year's Melbourne Cup winner, stormed home to a resounding victory under Mark Zara for David Eustace and Kieran Ma in the Turnbull Stakes at Flemington. And of course, all eyes were on Newmarket, where once again, Frankie Dettori read the script, as we suggested he might in the podcast on Friday morning, by riding his 500th winner at headquarters on the brilliant Inspiral. Could she be one of his four key rides on British Champions Day? Could she yet be a contender in the Breeders' Cup itself in California because she's possibly got engagements in the mile or more likely in the Philly and Mayer turf, either which way. If she turns up anywhere in the form she was in on Saturday, she is going to be a formidable rival. Um, we'll talk a little bit about living the dream on the podcast as well. Adam West's rags to riches sprinter, who very much enhanced his reputation with a blistering run at Keeneland on Saturday, even though he faded into fourth in the end and lots more besides with the Phillies Mile and the Dewhurst coming up this weekend and hopefully we'll see the star two-year-old of the season City of Troy David Yates newsboy from the Daily Mirror has been keeping a BDI eye on things back home while I've been here in Kentucky uh, David I've been enjoying myself I'm sure you have too and I'm sure everybody did at Newmarket on Saturday what now for Frankie Dottori do we think
1: Yes, well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's all about what now for De Tory rather than the 500th victory at Newmarket in uh, the Sun Chariot stakes aboard in Spiral. Um, we went to Newmarket expecting this landmark or at least hoping for it. But once again, uh, I'm afraid we got what is, I, I think, becoming a bit of a uh, a wearying story now about exactly when the finishing line will be to Dottori's career. Every time he wins a, a a big race, he's asked about when he's going to retire. And it was the same again on Saturday. It was a, a, a an interesting and informative piece by Lee Mottershead in the Racing Post where um, he spoke to Ed Dunlop, who said, of course, he's not retiring, he's going to go and ride in America. Um, and there were some interesting quotes from John Gosden at the end of Lee's piece. And... I'm going to read these to you because I I, I think they're particularly interesting. Um, I know him well, said Gosden. He's doing it cleverly. He's not just stopping cold. He's doing it the right way. He's bringing it down gently. He'll be riding in Hong Kong. He'll be riding in California. He'll be riding in the Middle East during the winter. He ain't packing up, don't you worry. Where there are big races, he'll pop up. Uh, Lee posed the question, could he even pop up in Britain next year? I don't know, said Gosden. It would be a huge thing. There was then a short pause before he added I'd like it. Um, so for for those who have been living on Mars for the last uh, year or since Christmas when uh, Dottori broke. I think it was on ITV, wasn't it? The news that he would uh, he would retire at the end of 2023. Um, the finishing line, it seems, has been moved over the last few months that uh, originally it was going to be the, the last day in Britain on Kipco Champions Day at Ascot on Saturday week. Then, of course, uh, there was the Breeders' Cup, uh, then Australia, and then Hong Kong. Uh, There's a rumoured stint in uh, the jungle uh, around that time as well, probably in the second half of November. But then, of course, uh, the the return to the saddle as if he'd ever been away in California in the new year, and then probably uh, riding into the spring as well in a, in a substantive way. It doesn't make a massive difference at the end of a career that's spanning so many decades that um, there are uh, a couple of months tagged on as a coda uh, to this magnificent career, but it does sort of blur the finishing line. And for those of us in the, um, in the racing press, it's caused enough confusion i'd say quite
0: enough confusion by now all right the long goodbye continues let's talk about the horse herself in spiral his heroine of saturday she's very good when she's good and you looked at the starting price of 10 to 11 and she wins like she should have been one to 10 but of course she's been sort of one to nine one to ten before it got beaten so you can see why people are a bit gun shy with her but boy oh boy against her own sex She's in a completely different parish, and I'm I'm intrigued to know where how they're going to play this because if if you do want to go to to America with her, and I I think there is a keenness. Do you want to go to Ascot in between times? It, I mean, America aside, does Ascot come a bit quick? I don't know. She won the race with
1: uh, with with ease and, and and with authority um however it's interesting this idea of a of a packed autumn nick isn't it um the how many days were there between that um that explosive comeback victory in the coronation stakes at royal ascot and that defeat at 7 to 1 on in the falmer stakes 21 days so Um, She would then be asked to uh, race in the space, uh, twice in the space of two weeks by uh, going from the uh, Sun Chariots uh, to uh, Kipco British Champions Day on Saturday week. And then, of course, to go to the Breeders' Cup on November the 4th. So for a horse who has proved vulnerable, backing up in the space of three weeks, asking her to do this seems to be a. it seems to be fraught with potential
0: banana skins. But um... having said that, having said all that, and it was me that introduced the concept, I wonder if this year has changed the narrative off the back of them wheeling back so quickly after the disappointing run at Goodwood, when Frankie Dettori didn't give her a hard time on soft ground, but they were straight away. They were like, "No, we're going to go to Doville next week," and they wheeled her back in eleven days. I wonder if that's just changed their mindset. And I know we are sometimes too keen to ascribe genius characteristics to animal trainers, but it is a hell of a bit of training. Because at the end of last season, she didn't look like she wanted to race at all. and She was walking out of the stalls. And the other day, she skipped through the race like a like an enthusiastic bunny.
1: Yeah, she did indeed. Yeah, you're right. There were 13 days between uh, the Sussex and that repeat victory in the, the Prix Jacques Le Marois. Um, but still, going into um, the, the last weekend, people spoke about this, that defeat at 7-1 to one on and... At the time, at least, it was that three-week gap between the races. Maybe maybe she's changed physically. Maybe uh, that's no longer a thing. Um, we'll see on Champions Day. Incidentally, just as a, a coda of my own to the uh, the Tori retirement story, I'm glad I haven't bought uh, a table of ten at a grand apiece for the, the valedictory dinner uh, in a, a couple of weeks' time, if indeed he is going to ride on in the spring.
0: I think there's there's quite a few people attending, from what yeah, so, I can gather.
1: I believe so, but if if I shell that that sort of dough, I I think I'd want a um a uh, a finishing line written in bold rather than a, a blurry one that seems to move every five minutes.
0: They've booked an excellent host for the occasion, I gather.
1: Yes, I'm sure they have. I'm <laughs> sure, and, and I'm sure he'll do an
0: excellent job. I'm talking about Francesca, obviously. <laughs> Kin Ross is not a certain attendee. Uh, Frankie's at the moment retirement party at Chartin. We believe uh, Rafe Beckett says he's going to play that by ear again. This is a a horse with a, an old clutch of end of season potential targets. How would you pick your way through with him?
1: Yeah, th- well, I mean, obviously, I mean, he's been a he's been a star over the last few seasons. He's a, a dual Group One winner, and he's had a a, a relatively late introduction to proceedings uh, this year, which meant that. Um, Rafe Beckett was minded to to roll the dice a bit more running into the autumn. Um, I just thought this was quite an interesting... I, I, I've kept away from uh, the Dottori retirement story in print, Nick, because I don't like... I'm 55. I, I don't like being 55. I, I don't like um, writing word-on-the-street stories. I, I was taught that um, if you either wrote a, a story that could be supported by a quote, and if you couldn't do that, you didn't write the story, but I did want to write about uh, whether Kinross would indeed uh, be uh, at Sha Tin on uh, December the 10th because, you know, he's the horse, he's owned by Mark Chan, a, a friend of De Tore's who, of course, is uh, based in Hong Kong. I just thought it was worth putting in the call because there seemed to be a bit of a doubt as to whether uh, Kinross would indeed go Um Rafe Beckett said yesterday, we'll play it by ear. It depends what happens. If it rains, he'll go to Asuka. Of course, he's the defending champion in the Kipco British champion sprint. If he doesn't, if sorry, if it doesn't rain, he won't. He'll go to America and then it would depend on how he came out of America. He's more likely to go to Hong Kong if he doesn't run Asuka. Uh, the honest
0: answer is that I don't know. All right. Well, prize for biggest bargain buy over the weekend, I think, went to Woody Wonder who won her second big Tattersall's sales race on the Roly Mile at the weekend and did so really impressively as well uh, and bought by, by Tom Ward uh, who joins me now and it sounds as though Tom you might be back at the same venue trying to get another one
2: yeah we're back at Tats on the hunt again like you say we're into book two and book three now so it's, uh, there's a lot of horses to go through the ring this week and hopefully we can pick up a couple uh, of, of future champions
0: so tell me how you stumbled across Woody Wonder and why you bought her
2: well, the key—the key is for me for a sale is I always I'm quite keen on the mare in terms of she's got to have done something or produced a horse that's that's got a bit of um, ability. And to be fair, the, the half brother by Time Test was was two turning three and had showed quite good form as a two-year-old um for Eve Johnson Horton and got sold to Qatar. So I, I kept this horse on the list and obviously think by Tamiya, she was not going to be um, everyone's cup of tea, but she was a beauty at the sales. She walked very well. She was strong. She, she was quite a feisty filly, um, but I thought if we can, if we can direct her um, feistiness in the right direction, we'll have a, have a nice filly on our hands, and she, thankfully it's all turned out well for her.
0: And when I, I saw she ran, you ran her in the, um, the Dutch to Cambridge on the, on the July course and, and got a bit of black type there, saw her that day. Was quite taken by, by her physically and, and looks as though she could do better next year.
2: She is a big, strong filly. Yeah, she's got a, a lot behind the saddle. Um, every time anyone gets on her, they say she feels more like a cult. Um, and physically, like you say, she, she's only going to improve. Um, and obviously, all she's done all year has got better and better and better with each run. So yeah, I'm quite hopeful that next year we'll have a, have a bit more fun again.
0: And she runs in the colours of um, Matthew Weber and, and your father, Toby. Just tell me about, a little bit about the ownership partnership.
2: So Matthew Webb has been an been a owner of mine since I started. He's been a very uh, very generous guy and, and had, a, had a lot of luck, actually, and been a fantastic part of the team. And Dad has only really got into racing since I sort of got into it, and he's, he's loving his experience. And to be fair, every horse he's had for me, uh, or shares in, he's, he's managed to win, uh, have managed to win for him. So he's, again, a lucky owner to have, and, and I think they're both they're, they're both sort of quite close friends as well, which is quite handy, and they, they're really enjoying the experience of having a filly with a bit of class and picking up plenty of money.
0: I mean, you know, you've know, got a filly like this who's, who's won as impressively as she has and we, we know that we know how this story sometimes ends they, they tend to get put on the market are you pretty confident that you'll be able to hang on to her?
2: Yeah, no, I think we're keen to keep her um, I think, like I say, she's got a bit of upside she's got a bit of uh, potential to improve next year so I think the guys want to want to have a horse that they can take them to the nice meetings and, and the nice places and you don't find them that often, especially at that sort of price so I think they're keen to uh, roll the dice and like I say, she's going to hold her value just through the fact she's already got black type and um, she hopefully will get a bit more as, as time goes on. And it
0: couldn't be more timely for a trainer you want to expand, you want to get bigger, you want to get nicer horses, you're at the sales ground now uh, and if ever there's a shop window that you you want to pedal your wares through, it was Saturdays
2: Yes exactly, I mean it was, it was phenomenal timing um, it's nice to be here at the sales, everyone's been very kind and, and, and thankful uh, uh, sorry, and, and giving us well done afterwards and okay, it's a big team effort, it's not just me it's, it's all the guys at home and, uh, and obviously Matt who brought the horse with me and I think basically a lot lot of people, a lot of time into the horse. Um, And obviously Tattersall's, thank you for putting on such valuable prize money in in such an amazing place. So, um, yeah, I think we're lucky to to be able to run in these sort of races and, and pick up some decent prize money.
0: Okay, Dave, let's talk about what's been happening around the world. Nations Pride was an impressive winner of the Canadian International at Woodbine on what was a mainly productive weekend for Charlie Appleby, whose Master of the Seas went down by the nosiest of noses here at keeneland we'll talk about that in a moment but canada first and a horse building a, a a quietly impressive international cv
1: yeah he certainly is um much has been written about uh charlie appleby's travails domestically in 2023 but uh nation's pride was an impressive winner of the canadian international uh Royal champion and James Doyle. He was riding um, the runner-up for Roger Varian, uh, made the running, but halfway up the straight was grabbed by uh, Nation's Pride and Will Buick, and the pair went on to score by two and a quarter lengths. Um, That's another top-level triumph that goes on the back of uh, a score... At uh, Munich, again, at the top level at the end of July. So yeah, Nations Pride, as you da- as you say, um, he's putting together a-, a decent body of work. And of course, he's been uh, successful at Saratoga prior to that last year. So uh,
0: overseas, at least, things are going well for the Appleby team. However, Rebels Romance, the horse that beat Nation's pride in last year's Breeders' Cup Turf, tasted defeat in New York at the hands of warlike goddess. Uh, Bill Mott says that she will take on the males in the Breeders' Cup Turf over a mile and a half if she goes there. The defending champion Rebels Romance, the ground rather went too soft for him at aqueduct master of the seas another good runner however ran really well i'd say right up to a, a career best almost in the in the keeneland coolmore turf mile here in kentucky against a horse dave up to the market well, i think it's one of the best american turfers we've seen for a long time but the interesting thing is he will go up to a mile and a half according to his owner mike Rapoli, as well so um that mile and a half race if you add august rodan and one or two others in could actually be the best edition of that for quite some time
1: that's quite a um That's quite a roll of the dice, isn't it? By the selection, the the connections of uh, up to the mark. The fact that this horse hasn't run beyond ten furlongs in the past, and he's just won a a a grade one race at Keenland by uh, over a a mile. Isn't that quite a bold call? It's the sort of thing maybe that uh, some of us euros could do with.
0: Yeah, it it is a bold call, but I suppose there's two ways of looking at it. First of all, you could say, right, well, he's already beaten the best milers around over a mile why doesn't he just stick to what he's good at the other point to note is he's already won a couple of times over a mile and a quarter and looked even better and sort of orthodoxy here is that he is going to do better over even further which is quite unusual for an american turf horse and uh, todd pletcher has other options for the mile as well so plus as his owner pointed out there's more money way more money on for the turf uh, and people sort of forgotten to look at the purse, so I get it. I think I think he's a, a fascinating addition over a distance of ground. He could be even better, but it's going to be a it's going to be a good race for sure. A master of the Seas, I said, ran a, a cracking race, and he'll be a big big player in the Breeders' Cup Mile. Now he's being gelded. I mean, the story, no doubt, Dave, is Adam West's horse Living the Dream, who ran in the Woodford Stakes here on Saturday night, and even though he was fourth, he was the most talked about fourth placed horse that you could possibly imagine because he set the most unbelievable fractions early in the race if it had been five furlongs he'd have had them all stone cold the extra half furlong he couldn't quite do it
1: yeah i spoke to adam west yesterday morning and it's hard to imagine a trainer being quite so buoyant after finishing fourth but one could completely understand why this was a a, a, essentially we, we viewed this as a change of cultures nick and obviously you do a stack of work in America as well as in Britain, um, and you understand these things better than I do. But w- we were writing this as you know, How would uh, live in the dream? His his gate speed um, in Britain is well known, but you're taking it to a different level in the states, aren't you? It was an absolutely cracking trial uh, for Santa Anita on November the fourth.
0: All right. Well, I was lucky enough to spend a little bit of time in Keeneland this weekend with the owners, Steve and Jolene Delemos, who uh, are enjoying the ride of, of a lifetime with with living the dream. Um, Dave was just saying how how positive Adam was about a horse who'd finished fourth, Steve, and I think I think you share his sentiments, don't you? I mean, I've never seen a horse go so fast in my life.
3: Yeah, it was um, there was lots of unknowns about that day, and um, I think he uh, I think he ticks a lot of boxes for us. Um, you know, we knew he was quick out the gates. Um, was he was going to be as quick as the American sprinters? Um, what would his uh, sectionals be like? And um, I think over five furlongs at Santa Anita, he could be a serious handful. So, uh, but you were there. What did you think?
0: Well, I mean, in all honesty, I could hear audible gasps. From around the winners' circle, when the fractions popped up, when he went twenty and four for the first quarter mile, the whole place kind of went, Whoa. you know, this here's, here's an English sprinter that can can leave these American turf sprinters standing, and you know what might he do in California? And yes, I think there are a couple of horses in California that can match that kind of early, but who aren't as good as him. So anyway, I don't want I, I don't want to get you too revved up, but I thought it was you can do that yourself but I thought it was very I thought it was very encouraging put it that way and he's going to stay in Keelan for a bit now isn't he?
3: Yeah we, we we were slightly concerned the weather's changing a lot there now um, the temperatures drop in and it was almost like well job done here can we move to LA and get him proper acclimatised over there but due to quarantine restrictions and and, uh, and other things um, it, it's it's not possible for us um, so we're we'll staying in Keeneland for the next three weeks, I think it is, and then to, um, then to LA, Santa Anita. We get there a few days before everybody else, um, which is good, and um, we're getting settled in.
0: I was going to say, in terms of the whole experience, did you and did you and Jolene enjoy it?
3: Oh, it was in- incredible. The Kentuckians were amazing, and um, Keeneland is... Um, just don't know how to describe it. People have got to go there and experience it themselves. It's a um, fantastic place. That I, I was really pleased with the um, flavouring. Uh, I mean, it was it's it's crazy there. There's so much going on, and Fred took it so well. And bear in mind, I don't know what, what, what was there thirty thousand there on Saturday. Yeah, it was it was busy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, I think it's going to be eighty-five thousand. Is it? At, at Santa Anita mm. so um, he took that really really well as he did at York got a little bit hot um, down at the start but um, no really really pleased but Keeneland incredible and big thanks to Cornwall who let us go in there and have a look round at the stud. and um, we saw um, American Pharaoh Uncle Mo Golden Powell um, but, yeah just incredible setup. but the whole place was was amazing when
0: you when you have an experience like this do you think well kind of this is why i'm doing this this is why i'm in the game we we are you know pun completely intended living the dream
3: well we are and and if i'm honest with you it, we're just going to enjoy the ride at the moment the dream just keeps giving and we've still got um the big one coming up the world championships uh uh, I think we can touch wood if as long as he stays well between now and then um, he's come out the race really well um, so very very pleased with that and if we can get him to um, to Santa Anita for um, um, in good form um, we' yeah. Sorry, I'm slightly distracted here. I'm
0: You're in the baggage reclaim. Terminal
3: five, and I'm just saying goodbye to to my jockey, who's got his bags and he's off and running.
0: <laughs> well, listen, I'll, I'll I'll leave you be. You need to you need to get some rest, uh, get over the jet lag. But um, it's been a it's been a great first leg of this adventure, and let's keep our fingers crossed for the next one.
3: Thanks, Nick. I appreciate that.
0: All right, good luck to Steve. What a journey. Bits of news trickling in as I'm recording. Off and running at Tattersall's October Book 2, as you heard from Tom Ward earlier. Godolphin have struck 725,000 guineas for Lodge Park. Studs wild card to Barwee Philly. Shane Mohammed continuing where he left off at Book 1 with another uh, high-end purchase here. The Phillies from Lodge Park's top family. Her dam and own sister to the Group 1 winner was and her grand dam is Alluring Park. So money already flying around at Tattersall's. Uh, the jump season, however, is about to kick into uh, to gear and to take centre stage. Uh, and I've just had it uh, confirmed to me that Corak Rambler, the Grand National winner, uh, who may yet have the Gold Cup amongst his targets this season, will begin his campaign on October, October the 28th, Saturday, October the 28th, at Kelso in the very valuable Edinburgh Gin handicap chase. So it looks as though that's where Corak Rambler will begin his season, according to trainer Lucinda Russell. Uh, I've been speaking to champion trainer Paul Nichols, who looks as though he's going to get much of his string out at uh, Chepstow, or some of his string out, I should say, at Chepstow this weekend, including the champion bumper third, Captain Teague, in the Persian War Novices Hurdle. An intriguing entry. I asked him if it was his intention to
4: run. Yeah, that's the intention. If the rain comes, as forecast, and there is quite a lot forecast towards the end of the week. Yeah, he'll run. Um, he scored this morning. He's done lots of work. Got to start somewhere, and he just would go for some good prize money go for an ordinary race, really. So we thought we'd take our chance.
0: And I reminded myself of that champion bumper. I think of the first 12 home, 11 were Irish trained, and yours kind of looked the, the greenest and with the most to, to learn and move move forward from that race. I mean, how excited are you by him?
4: he's obviously a nice horse. We hadn't done a massive amount with him last year as a four-year-old, which we never do. The idea of having him ready, novice hurdling now at five. And yeah, he ran very well at Cheltenham. We thought he'd run okay. I I, I didn't think he'd run quite as well. He he wasn't ready in my mind to run quite as well as he did mentally and physically, but he ran a super race. He won well at at Bumper Plumpton. He won his point to point. So he's second a step forward physically. So he's a nice horse. So We'll know a lot more after his run on, on Friday.
0: Uh, and it, is it is it too early to say? Well, he's he is the top of the, the the tree as far as novice herdless from your stable are concerned. Have you got others that you're expecting as much of?
4: Well, you don't know because those youngsters improved so much from season to season you know a lot of those bumper winners we had last year and we had quite a lot of them um, just improved so much physically through a summer and that that you can't be really sure I mean his form stands out obviously he's one of the best ones to be third at Cheltenham and we've always done well with horses who've been placed in that bumper at Cheltenham when they've gone hurdling and um yeah, there's some nice horses, and uh, yeah, just another nice one that wouldn't be too far behind him is uh, in the waterside. He won two bumpers. Mm-hmm. He he won at sundown, and he won it excellent, He's quite nice and firefly, and yeah, just go on and on. There's some lovely horses, but you don't know till they run. They'll tell you where they are. Just we've all thought this horse is quite special.
0: You you've got the same owner as Matterhorn in the same race. Would you would you run him as well or not?
4: No, no, I've just, I mean, some of the races, I've just covered my option in case there was no rain forecast. For example, Matterhorn loves good ground, and if it stayed good ground and there was no rain forecast, we'd leave Captain T for another day and run Matterhorn. But I'd say looking at the forecast, he he should be fine to run.
0: Okay. what else are you going to war with this weekend?
4: Well, I don't know, I I think six or seven um, entered up to run on Friday, and probably... um, could have, you know, as many as seven runners on Saturday, um, two, in the, two in the Silver Trophy handicap hurdle, which will be Lally Gag and Son and Gino. Nappas Hill runs in the Novice Chase, that'll be his debut over fences. Um, and possibly Apadel or Blue King Daru in the 4 hurdle. And a couple of bumper horses and lots of other entries, but those are probably the standout ones that will run.
0: And in terms of the, the real big names in, in the yard, when are we when are we likely to start seeing some of them out?
4: Well, there's no 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 rush with all of those. Um, Brave man's game will either run in the um, the Charlie Hall or the Betfair Chase. We're sort of siding towards running the Betfair Chase, but no plans have been made on any of those. Nick, we'll just keep him ready. You know, if the ground was on the slow side, we've got an option. You know, obviously the Charlie Hall's an option. Pick Dory could run in the bet, but could run in that race if the ground was decent. And, you know, lots of horses in the sort of, I think, Hermes LNs, to Run soon, Stairway Fair, you might go to Exeter. At this time of year, you just crack on with them and just you've just got to have nothing set in stone, keep your options open and see how, how, they're, how they're coming along and, and how they're ready and how the ground is, more importantly.
0: Paul Nichols there with High Hopes for the weekend. There were some lovely horses running at Utoxeter yesterday. Uh, sadly, we lost one of the best. Uh, this was really difficult news for... Uh, Nigel Twiston-Davis and his team David just just tell me more.
1: Yeah, this was very sad. Um I like to move it who was uh, a winner of of seven of his his 16 races uh, for Nigel Twiston-Davis. He made his chasing debut uh, in a a three-runner race at Utoxeter and he was pulled up very quickly by sam twiston davis after uh, the last of the 12 fences and i'm very sorry to say that he suffered uh, a fatal injury um he was a a, a really a, a a very likable and uh, high quality hurdler. Remember that uh, he finished six in the champion hurdle last year. He he was uh, a very promising horse and it's really sad that his, uh, what looked like a a promising career over fences should be cut short in this way. And and obviously our our thoughts with his connections.
0: All right. We talked before the weekend about the Velka Padabitska as well. What happened there?
1: Yes, well, uh, this was won uh, for the sixth time uh, by a jockey who used to ride in, who would be well known for riding uh, in Britain, and that is uh, Jan Faltizek. Uh He was riding Sacamero. The jockey was winning the race for the sixth time. Um, our interest on it centred largely around Patrick Mullins. He was riding Mr Specs, who was the reigning champion, um, but uh, the incumbent came down at the Taxis fence. Remember, that's the one that used to give Marcus Armitage uh, sleepless nights. The uh, the best of the uh, British Nares challenge. Well, that was James' best. You spoke to him on the Nick Luck Daily last week. He was riding. I don't like to call this horse Lombargini. I'm going to call it Lombard. Call him Lombargini, um, because there isn't an, an H after the G. But in any case, uh, forgive my uh, my pedantry. Uh, this horse. Finished an excellent fourth, and uh, James Best has completed the race before, and he did best of the overseas jockeys this time around.
0: I think, David, we need to uh, pay tribute to the life and career of Tommy Canan, who who died at the weekend. A father of of Mick Canan, but in his own right, uh, a, an extremely important figure in the sport. Yes, he was. He was uh, an extremely high ranking.
1: Uh, jump jockey, he won 13 titles, he also won a, a champion hurdle that was aboard Monksfield in 1978 and of course uh, he's also very well known as, as the father of Mickinan. he's passed away at the age of 90, hugely popular figure and a, a massive contributor to the sport that we love on several different
0: levels All right, racing this weekend at Newmarket, it's future champions weekend, the big races, the Group 1 Phillies Mile, the Group 1 Dewhurst. Am I going to see City of Troy? I've been salivating over him since the superlative stakes.
1: It certainly looks as though you will. Aidan O'Brien said yesterday that uh, the Dewhurst was the plan for City of Troy. Um, Remember, of course, that uh, he was pulled out of the national stakes at the Curra last month on account a of the rain softened ground. Um, he looks hugely exciting. He, he ran away with the superlative stakes at Newmarket on his second start. He was a debut victor at the Curra. He's the favourite for the 2000 guineas and the derby of 2024. And He's also the subject of a wager with, between you and Jane Mangan, isn't he, as oh, to whether Elang yeah. Ilang or City of Troy would score at the top level first. It looks as though you might be uh, the one who is not picking up the tab.
0: Well, I'm not counting my chickens, um, but I am counting the cost of the tasting menu at uh, Pont de la Tour. So uh, looking forward to that very much. Well, here in the United States, there continues to be much talk about the future and the effectiveness of HISA, the Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Authority. There was a generally positive feeling about what HISA had been doing around the grounds at Keeneland over the weekend. And clearly, much of it is about integrity and safety. But perhaps one area of, of HISA and the HISA project that people aren't aware of is its commitment to in ensuring that the humans in the sport are better looked after, as well as the horses. And to that end, yesterday at Keeneland Racecourse, I was joined by Dr. Peter Hester, who is the relatively newly appointed medical director of Heiser, uh, has had a, a lifetime in the sport. And I began by asking him uh, what his background was and, and how he came to be involved in jockey welfare and safety.
5: Well, Nick, again, first pleasure and honour to be here with you. And uh, my background is uh, I'm an orthopedic surgeon here in Lexington, Kentucky. Been here about 30 years. I grew up in Garden City, next town over from the Belmont. Uh, so a bunch of jockeys, trainers in that area. So I mean, horse-
0: fair to say you couldn't get away from horse racing. Oh, no! If-
5: I mean, I Craig Perrette lived across the street. Don McBeth lived a couple of doors down, and you know, the, and so it's just it's a place where. Yeah, they shut down Seventh Street, as you might know, with the with the starting gate and in town, and so it just it's a, a town that centers around horse racing, and so anyway, that that started the the issue that I had, and then I pursued it further <laughs> during college, working for Dr. Reed, who was the equine veterinarian over at Belmont, and then during med school, I was a night watchman at Ballandagan Farm here, where uh, I'd work Friday, Saturday nights from eight p.m. to eight a.m., making fifty dollars uh, fifty dollars for the night cleaning stalls and taking care of horses um, and then as my orthopedic uh, career and, and practice grew I started taking care of more and more riders and and I got really familiar with them and, and golly I'd come out to Keeneland it's beautiful but you, what we didn't see was the tough side of the sport on the jockeys the demands and the fact again these are independent contractors um, there's no such thing as workers comp for some of them in, in many states and uh, you know a lot of them don't see their families and, and so for, with that in mind started a charity that benefited PDJF new vocations for mm-hmm. retired racehorses and thoroughbred charities of America and then um started realizing that you know what we need to do more yeah. for these athletes
0: and, and you make a really interesting point and I, i'm trying to compare this with with our jockeys back home in the uk and Ireland. we talk about our jockeys struggling because they're so itinerant and they're having to charge up and down the, the motorway the highway every day and go from track to track to track and they never stop mm-hmm. and it, it's just a hard life and the, and the sweating and the sauna and all that what people don't perhaps appreciate here is that you could be away from your family for three or four months at a time. You know, relocate to another meet or you're having to relocate your young children and homeschool them and all those kind of issues that are complex, but just as difficult.
5: Oh, I, I learned a lot from, the, from these riders. Some of them spend less than a month with their families a year, you know, because of where they need to ride, where their families are comfortable and have resources and backup. But uh, the mental side of things, the physical side of things, like you mentioned about, you know, the, the weight issue is critical for these riders, and it, it you lower
0: weights here as well, much lower. Weights. Right, right.
5: Yeah. You guys have made concessions over there, and uh, are
0: you going to do the same? Do you think?
5: Well, that's that's going to be up to the steering committee and uh, and other advisory yeah. capacities, and myself. We're gonna we're gonna look to see what we can do to always to make it safer, and optimize the sport for the riders. But it's certainly something that we've we've mm. been discussing. Um, but, you know, the the, the mental stress, and, and it's, in, it's everywhere. It's all sports. It's all workplaces now. And, uh, again, back in um, April, we, we, th- we conducted a survey in conjunction with the Jockeys Guild to learn exactly that. What are the main stressors that are impacting the riders? And, and when we learned those, what can we do to start to address those? And then we had forums at Keeneland and Saratoga with, again, industry leaders and uh, jockeys, current and retired. Uh, some of your radio personalities were on there with us, too, and there was, there was a lot of critical discussion about how do we make this better yeah
0: last thing i want to talk to you about is concussion because i know this is an area that you're particularly interested in and a lot of sports have really started to advance their research in the last couple of decades
5: is racing catching up oh absolutely and been very grateful to have the encouragement support and uh, and basically the dr adrian mcgoldrick from the irish turf and uh what we've been doing here in the states is working with medical professionals with expertise in concussion care with with other professional sports leagues and physicians and industry leaders and we've 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 basically developed our formal concussion protocol it should be released very very soon and it's going to be shared with all the tracks and we hope to have that uh, as a resource to the riders and the medical professionals, but also we've, we've uh, networked and developed a, a contract with HeadCheck, which is an electronic medical record system now that has a, a concussion management platform. That's gonna be conveyed among the medical providers uh, nationwide to help the, them as their, the riders show up and uh, they need assistance in, uh, in their recovery and get back to riding.
0: Dr. Peter Hester, thanks so much.
5: Oh, absolutely. And if I could just say, you know, our mission is to to treat these riders like the professional athletes that they are. And it's it's all day, every day for the Heisa Medical Squad. So I'm very thankful for your time.
0: Dr. Peter Hester there. Thanks to him. Thanks to all my guests today. Thank you to David Yates as well. Uh, David, um, your farewell tour hasn't even begun yet. Um,
1: <laughs> well, I, I suspect I'll be the
0: last to know when it does. <laughs> But would you like to kick it off with a winner for this afternoon, please?
1: Why not? We're going to go to Windsor and the 4.20 uh, and the top weight Western Stars. This horse is thriving in the hands of Jim Boyle, uh, was a victor over 10 furlongs at Haydock Park last time out. I think will be well served by the return to 12 here. And I hope the follow-up is on the cards. 4.20 race at Windsor, selection number one, Western Stars.
0: Yates might just write, you know, one feature a month said Gosden. I'd like it if he did. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.